You're listening to Power Athlete Radio, a podcast dedicated to empowering your performance every damn day. Join former NFL pro and Power Athlete founder John Wellborn as he dissects the greatest minds in strength, conditioning, and more. Joining him is everyone's favorite coach and hair model, Chris, a.k.a. Tex McQuilkin, Power Athlete's Director of Performance. So whether your goal is to be the hammer, destroy mediocrity, or simply move the dirt, you've come to the right place. Now with the warm-up done, let the gains begin. Look at you, all business. Well, dude, thanks for joining. Uh, welcome, visitor. Just you know, showing up, uh, driving out to, from Carolina. I mean, where's the road going to take you next? I'm gonna be in Austin until uh, probably Tuesday, maybe okay. longer. There's some folks here that I want to connect with. Yeah. Uh, further. Um, yeah, I mean, the the, the entrepreneurial uh, uh, research is kind of where I'm at. You know, like, like we talked just just before, just getting out of the comfort zone and exploring other options outside of the, 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 the basic realm of, when I say basic, it's not basic, but the, 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 um, the subsidized government uh, education system is essentially where I've spent most of my time. Yeah. You know, after, after playing college ball, I mean, the, the professional realm is, is not quite that, but still highly bureaucratic and, and very structured. So um, you played at FAU. And then, you know, obviously played college football, and then you got to go play in the NFL for three, four years. Yeah. And then uh, once your NFL career, you know, obviously due to injury, for those of you guys who don't know, had a kind of an interesting um, surgery based on what was like adductor groin. Yeah. Like, I I remember you telling me about it being like, that seems like a terrible fucking idea. But unfortunately, you listen to doctors. pretty pretty gnarly. Yeah. 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 So, and, and that's like, that's, that was like the origin story, essentially, of getting into coaching. Yeah. You know, dad was a coach, um, so I knew it growing up. And, and, and coaches in my life were all uncles and, and, and surrogate fathers. You know, so high school football coach in the state of Florida, Larry Laskowski, you know, to me, he was my hero, you know. And, and um, so I had kind of job training, right, kind of my entire life. Um, and started playing football at like four or five. You know, yeah, I loved it. That, that, that was that was to a degree uh, uh, kind of the pinnacle of existence. So, you know, watch, watching Cash watch you and, and have, having some experience with that is it, pretty 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 sweet, man. You, you, you sat there and watched us with our uh, Lego building, dude. That was awesome. Yeah, it's so funny. That was it's like awesome. uh, I'm, I'm the he's the foreman. I'm the I'm the shopping. I really felt like just honored to just witness that, man. Uh, Mandalorian last night was pretty cool too. Yeah. So dad, right? He's 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 dad. So yeah. football was 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 the path. I mean, it was laid out. The way it was. This is the way. The way. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, where was I going with that? Oh, you were saying uh, um, uncles, dads. I mean, football. Right. Um, you know, on the job training. Right. So laid out the path. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a, had a, an angle there. So when I got to college, um, when I got into college and started playing football, um, you know, I was oh, this is where I was going. I, uh, you know, I kept everything. I kept all the notebooks and all the, you know, we didn't have. It's a it's it's a little bit ironic that I got into strength conditioning. Origin story is where I was talking about. So 
I kept everything because I, I, I kind of assumed that the football coaching route was going to was going to be the route, um, but I didn't just want to do it just because it was the easy route, right? But I but I but I wanted to keep things just in case, um, and uh, and so I you know got an opportunity after college to uh, to play in the National Football League, and and what an organization to, to get an opportunity with. Tony Dungy was the head head coach in, 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 at the time, and Bill Polin was the GM. Um, and they, you know, that that Indianapolis Colts offense was epic, man. They're Hall of Fame dudes and, all over. And the place. a good defense, a fast, aggressive, undersized, yeah. and that's why, you know, when my agent called me right after the draft and said, "Hey, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Indy, and a couple other ones for for minicamp invites, but these guys want to give you a contract." Uh, Indianapolis wasn't necessarily the highest amount, but looking at the roster, you know, I'm a five nine, that was two hundred twenty pound, you know. Dude, and, and and you know, looking at their linebackers, Gary Brackett was like five ten. Yeah. Bob Sanders was five five eight and a half. You yeah. know, Cato June was a will that played safety in college. They moved him down in the box, and so Robert Mathis was a rusher. Mathis two like two thirty five, maybe maybe two thirty five. You know, so it's like okay, this could be a really good. Like Dwight Freeney was their biggest dude, right? Maybe, and, yeah. and like two forty five, yeah, two forty five, and, and um, so you know, uh, the the career at FAU is kind of. You know, the, the, they they put our team in the Hall of Fame in two thousand and eight. Uh, we in two thousand three was our it was our third year playing football. We ended up going eleven and three. We go four and six year one, two and nine year two, eleven and three year three. So make this massive turnaround and almost get uh, to the national championship. We lose to to Colgate in the, in, the, in, the, in the semifinals down in Boca, and uh, it's kind of ironic because FAU just got beat in the final four. Uh, and so that was a semifinal game. They got beat in the final four. We got beat in the final four 20 years ago, 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, it's it's a one double A school at the time. So who gives a shit, right? But to us, it was it was the pinnacle. Um, and and then you know, our senior year, we transitioned to one A, uh, and, and so we couldn't go to the bowl. But we ended up going nine and three, uh, and beat some damn good teams. And so I had a I had a solid career in college. Looking back. In many respects, because of the situation I was in and the coaches that were there, and so the reputation, and we were, we talked about this past couple of days, and we were old school, man. Like what yeah. the stuff they were doing. If if we put the fo- kind of volume on on, on the kids that, that 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 we were put on ourselves, and in, in, in those off season, even in season, I mean, you know, it, it, it would it wouldn't fly uh, in this day and age. Um, I've tried a couple times. Uh, over the course of the past fourteen years, to to hint at that, and and, and, and guys will respond. Like like we talked about this too. Like kids, kids kids can be soft, but if you if you if they don't know anything else, and you keep accumulating stress, and keep accumulating volume, and they recover, then then then, then you know the human organism is pretty dynamic. But it, it was old school, and I played in every game, so I didn't miss a game, uh, and, and it was the all time leading tackle when I left, but. It was more just because, you know, the scheme and the defense. Anyway, got a chance to play in, in many cases because of that. So Bill Polian had a lot of respect for Howard Schnellenberger and the way he did did deal. So when I got up there, um, it just felt like home, you know. It felt like an organization where I could spend 10 years. Uh, Russ, Russ Pinnell was the, uh, was the special teams coordinator, and he and I had a really strong relationship in, in that offseason, moving into the 05 season. Man, I had a um, – I mean, things were going in the right direction. Um and said, told this briefly last night, you know, the, the first play of the 2005 season, I'm running down on kickoff, and 
separate my damn AC joint on the first fucking snap, you know. Um, it was the left as well. So your kickball accident uh, brought back some flashbacks. Um, so it's yeah. a tough deal. It's a tough deal. Uh, so yeah. it, 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 I, I missed Not a, career ending. Well, it wasn't. But it, but, it, but, it, but it surely put a pause on things. Missed the second preseason game. It was it was game two. We had five that year. Played in the next three, but like kind of, you know, man, you kind of yeah. banged up and you're full. And I, and I you know, I, I kind of needed every. Anyway, so I make practice squad that year. I don't make the active. Yeah. Uh, a couple times I was, I, I was, you know, real close to, to being brought up a couple games because we were a little banged up mid season uh, to late season, but didn't get, didn't get activated at all. Um, and like mid to late season, I started developing this kind of like tightness in the, in the lower abdominal region. So pubic synthesis, that area. And we had like, we had like uh, six guys on the, on the roster that were developing these things. And they had a couple procedures the year before as well. Um, and John Terrine, the head strength coach at the time, who's now running an I-9 up in Jersey, uh, Richard Howell, who's the assistant, who's now the head strength coach, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm a pretty cerebral guy, and I'm, I'm wanting to know what's going on. I'm like, why is, this, why is this shit happening, you know? So their theory is, like, because they were undersized and because they ran so fast and so dynamic that we stressed, like, this lower abdominal, lower pelvic region. Um, but they call it a sports hernia. Uh, but they did an MRI, and looking back, it's it, what it was is tendonitis. Yeah, that's all it was. It was tendonitis of the pubic bone. The pubic like, bone. Yeah. yeah so, so all the connective tissue. You mentioned it yesterday. Trained yeah. the, the BJJ guys. Yeah. The fascia, the the, the the like feel all that stuff, and it's intense, man. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. So their procedure, and Donovan McNabb was kind of the the, the popular the, the guy that, that did that the year before, I think. So people were like, yeah, this is this is the new thing, and, and, and I'm an NFL like player and I'm lucky to be there so whatever you guys tell me to do man I'm, I'm yeah. all in uh, and so you know we do this procedure um, and they also have this the, the procedure they call an adductor release where they mm -hmm. actually cut fascia yeah. uh, and at the time I, didn't, I knew not, none of this because I was just you know let's get it fixed let's go to the off season let's rehab and let's roll their, their, their concept for me was okay you're maybe a little bit small for the National Football League at linebacker but we got to Guy Bob Sanders is a pretty good football player, and we think he could be kind of in that realm as well. Uh, I ran pretty fast and pretty aggressive dude. Um, and so I transitioned to safety that offseason after rehabbing a surgery. Um, and things were going okay, you know. I had a good OTAs, and back in the back in those days, man, we were we were there all all summer pretty much. Yeah. Um, and, and and like like day five of training camp 2006, you know, I'm battling for the backup spot in 06 for uh, for Bob. And he's a little banged up, like he always was. So I didn't get a chance to play quite a bit that year uh, if things go well. So what, what ended up happening is, I, is I, I tore the adductor off the bone. Like the pubic symphysis was, was kind of fine. I mean, it, it's a little bit tight now, and even 15 years later. It's well, you like, know, it was the, uh, the fact that you weren't using it. You know, the fact that you rehabbed, like, like oh, it did this, or it was the fact that you just rested me and I didn't train. Say again now? Uh, <clears throat> you know, with the tendonitis, you yeah. just rest it. So yeah. like it was probably the fact that you'd never taken a break. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you got a year to heal. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things going back because essentially we got into this because the origin story. Because yeah. to me, we we cut people open, right in our in our country maybe a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, and I say maybe just to be kind, but like 
man, the, the, the amount of procedures we do in, in, in coaching college ball and being around high school kids as well, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just so quick. Because we're always looking for a quick answer, right? Like, like what's going to get me back, like, right away? And, 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 and you know, at, at that time, too, you know, I think the society at large is a lot more trusting of, of doctors, maybe. I think the COVID situation maybe has... Oh, shit, you didn't know me. I didn't trust those people from day one. Well, I, good for you. I got lied to early on. Good for you. So you end up tearing the adductor off the bone, which is a nasty fucking... It was injury. gnarly, bro. Yeah. Like, black and blue all the way down to yeah. the calf. The, the freaking... Go- the, the, the testicles were swollen. And, and they're telling me... Yeah, it's probably just scar tissue breaking up, you know, and, and I'm going, yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> so I have this like calcified thing in that adductor region that yeah. developed about two months after the surgery now. So I got the pelvic floor repaired and they cut the fascia of the adductor tendon and that's where we developed this scar tissue. And I didn't really notice it until like, again, like two months into it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, why is this happening? So they brought the surgeon back in, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty intense scarring that you got going on, but it should be a big deal, you know." He put a couple shots of cortisone in it, thinking it was gonna, you know, yeah, and and, and uh, maybe that weakened it. Who knows? But it, either way, it tore off the bone, and, and so, but we didn't get an MRI right away. Three four days later, uh, I, I I go back and try it again, a special teams practice, and uh, it pops worse. Uh, and then we get an MRI. It retracted, I think it's like five or six centimeters, something like that. Um, so, like, you you go, and I haven't, like, told this story much because you, you relive in this moment. Like, you, you go from, like, this is going to be my career. This is going to be 10 years at least, man. Like, because football's football. Wherever you go, like, can you, can you, can you learn a playbook? Can you be trustworthy? And, and are, you, are, you, are you durable and consistent enough to last? Um, and all those things were, were right on except the durability. And I just, you know, and so existentially, right, it was like a, it was a, it was a, it was a crisis moment, relative crisis moment for me uh, to be so close to and taste. And I almost, at, at that time, I was almost like, I wish I wouldn't have had, had, even had the opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're there and, you're, and you start getting paid pretty well. And it's like, man, you're seeing this, this, you know, this future. Uh, and so, yeah, I got knocked on the ass there. And then, when I was back home uh, in Boca, uh, where I went to school, um, I started asking questions, you know, uh, in preparation for this, just to kind of get a groove. I was listening to a couple of you guys' podcast, and I was listening to, to, to Jen Wearson recently, and you were talking about uh, the existential the, 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 crisis. Right, but the, the exomes or egg, oh yeah, exosomes, exosomes, and the um, and the hyperbaric approach that you took you know, post-career, right? Like, um, you, 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 you're feeling like, not to put words in your mouth, but like, like I'm a little desensitized. Yeah. Right? I'm not, the empathy, the compassion, the sympathy for normal people, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. And so, um, I, mean, I was very similar on that, on that approach. So I started asking questions. I think, okay, what the next, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me down uh, away from the X's and O's, which I kind of thought was going to be the path into strength and conditioning, physical therapy, rehab, how we treat our athletes, essentially. Because, you know, it was, it, was, it, it, it was a selfish motivation initially, trying to figure out what, what I can do to get back healthy. I still, still want to play. I'm not done. Uh, and so I met some people, opened my eyes, played NFL Europe that next year, 07. Uh, ended up tweaking the other side. Um, uh, like game six. I was having this, like, 
epic game in Cologne. We were playing the Rhine Fire, you know, and, and ran down on kickoff and kind of popped the other side. And I felt that same area. Um, so took a couple weeks off, came back and, and kept trying. Because at this point, I'm like, my body's kind of feeling like it's, you know, feeling a little, feel a little hopeless. Uh, ended up tearing my PCL at the end of that year. And like the last game I played was the World Bowl. It was like it was it was week eleven. Um, yeah, played Amsterdam. Uh, I'm sorry, Hamburg. And uh, and man, I was taped up. I had tortle all over, all inside the body. DMSO at night, trying to get the shit because I, I I can't not play. Sure, it's probably gonna be it. I'm feeling like. Um, and, and and so uh, and so after that experience, uh, get shipped back to the states. Don't get an opportunity to go to training camp, and the culture going to bring you back that next year. Like if you can stay healthy, we want we want to give you another shot. Like you know, we, we let you go because you couldn't stay healthy, not because you can't play. Is what they told me, uh, and, and and people that I trusted told me that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rolling. Well, you know, obviously didn't get called back to training camp. Ended up getting surgery again on that on that left side. They don't do the adductor release on the left side. They just do the pelvic floor repair. Um, and then I'm I'm in Birmingham rehabbing until about December January of 2007. Um, January 2008 and then uh, and then I release and then I go and I, and, I, and, I, and I keep learning and I keep asking questions and meet meet folks that open my eyes and and, and, and uh, you know it bring to light that hey man like a lot of this stuff probably could have been prevented training and conditioning probably could have helped the situation and it, it became it like morphed from like the selfish into like well shit man like there's a lot of fucking athletes that that could maybe benefit from some of this knowledge that I'm learning now that that's not common. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like, you know, and that, that was, that was the initial motivation to get into the field of strength and conditioning. It wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be a career coach. It was like, how can I help? Yeah. What was your first formal weight room when you had a responsibility of athletes? So Rockledge high school uh, where I went to school, um, in Rockledge, Florida, I, uh, and so my father coached. Uh, started coaching at Rockledge High School in 1993, um, and I went to high school there in 1996. So that was my it was my home base. And, and um, man, like, co like the head coach had been there since like '83. The defensive coordinator had been there since '87. My dad got there in '93, and they all coached together until until. 2015 when 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 I left <laughs> so I came back and coached there for six years with like guys that raised me um so that was my first like you know because I'm learning all these concepts right I'm going so you guys familiar with Paul Check? Mm -hmm. he's a wild dude right uh and, and you know he got he, he got his got his name started kind of in the, in the exercise science realm now he's a little more esoteric and kind of much more on a different path but you know initially it was strength and conditioning uh, and he had an institute he was coaching. So I, yeah, I was, the Czech I, Institute. Yeah, man. I was exposed to him, went out there, took a course. Um, uh, I was exposed to Gary Gray indirectly through a great buddy of mine, David Westerman, who had a true stretch in his facility that taught me how to open my body up in different ways. And, and I realized, well, shit, like if I'd have just mobilized better, maybe I'd have, you know, if I'd have just stretched post practice, if I'd have trained a little bit more. So, so got exposed to that, got exposed to Paul Check, and I'm like, holy shit, there's a. So, um, I go back into Rockledge High School. So this is a year after I get through playing, um, and, and that year was a bit of a, a bit of a journey. I wasn't like ready to go right back in, um, 
I was, I was in a similar phase 15 years ago, kind of where I'm at right now. Like I'm, you know, like, like what direction do you want to go? When the question is, how can I help? Which maybe I need to kind of size that up a little bit and maybe tweak it because um, you guys were talking with Jim as well about making, like, we got to make money too, man. Like, like we want to coach clients. Like we want to be, a, you mentioned you want to be like a one step, you don't you know, just be a stop in there. In, in, in a way, you don't want to be like, we don't want to be, we don't want them to be dependent on us, right? We want them to coach them and teach them so they can use that and, and empower themselves and empower their families. What you guys are doing is awesome to me, in my, in my opinion, like, like empowering families to train where you don't have to go to the gym and get coached hard. Get, no, no, you can do this shit on your own. You know some basics and your family gets involved, but you got to make money too. Um, and so how do you combine that? So, so essentially the NFL money ran out after about a year, took a bunch of courses, traveled, Ended up taking a grad course at FAU because I thought maybe history was going to be the path. Um, you know, I had an idea for a, for a master's thesis. I was all into that. Um, Love studying history, and that was my undergrad. It wasn't sport. You know, it wasn't exercise science. It was, it was history. Uh, so my, my dad, you know, takes over the head coaching job at Rockledge High School, and he, and he and he says, "I want you to help. You know, come up and help." And I'm going, "God damn, like I don't I don't know if I want to go to high school." And coach high school ball like I don't that, that's, that's not necessarily what I want to do but let me come up and I came up in June and like, I spent like a week with them and watched them train and uh, it was like all right motherfucker like you have all these ideas and all these concepts but can you can you put your money where your mouth is and help like how can I help well come help and uh, and it was like the, the, after that summer I, I just kind of observed for a couple weeks uh, and then when school started and training camp started, I was like, okay, I, you know, this is my proposal for the, for, for in-season weight room training. Uh, and, and my father, who was the head coach and Pat Lusk, who was the defensive coordinator who coached me and Chuck Wood, who's the former head coach, who's now the offensive line coach were like my assistants. And it was my first time talking coaching, but it, it was like the, 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 the way these guys were moving the way they were doing like basic patterns, I'm like, fellas, this ain't that complicated. We just gotta, we just gotta coach them how to, how to move a little better and be a little more technically oriented with their process here. It's, it, you know, let's maybe not concern ourselves with how much we're moving. Let's maybe concern ourselves with how we're moving the weight. And and, and it was just like coaching the front rack, you know, coaching the lunge, was coaching the fucking deadlift. Um, Coaching how to bench, coaching how to do push-ups and pull-ups. I mean, it wasn't complicated, um, but it was it was challenging because you had forty fucking guys in the weight room and like you're the only voice, you know. So that was a long fucking answer. Sorry, no, well, that's true. Yeah, deadlift is not in the high school weight room right now. Why is that? It's too difficult to teach the mm-hmm. forty plus dudes, and then the risk of injury versus the reward, because a lot of coaches are still in that mindset of. How much? How much? And then the deadlift, right? It just becomes that numbers game versus a beauty contest, like we used to express at the old seminar. Yeah. And okay, th- let's just scrap it. So they still do awful power cleans, yeah. dynamic bicep curls, sure. um, with you know super wide. What catches. is that doing when they catch it that wide? <sighs> what, what do you think? Uh, like, I think it's. Um, you know, like, like long term. Uh, no, like I, uh, I think there was a time where it was, like, well, let me see how I couch this. 
there was a time before we knew what the fuck it was supposed to look like. So I uh, think about like the 90s, right? Um, like we didn't have any video. I didn't have a right, CD. Right. I had a guy demoing right. the clean for us who didn't know how to clean. Right. And we were like, uh, like that's what we thought it looked like. It looked like this weird reverse heave yeah. where your legs go out. And I was like, oh, that doesn't look very good. It doesn't good, look but, good. But no, but that's what we're supposed to do. And it wasn't until I got to college and I still didn't know what it was supposed to look like. And then all of a sudden, uh, Todd Rice put in these videos of the Bulgarians. And I was like, oh, because he had pictures on the wall of like, you know, like this, like these stills. And like, I, I like it still didn't make sense to me until I actually saw the video. Yeah. Of a somebody model yeah. for you to then try yeah, to I, replicate. I, yeah. I saw like pictures. It was like one through 10 on the picture in the clean. And it didn't make sense to me. And then as soon as I saw the guy like actually pull the bar and pull himself underneath. I was like, fuck, this could have solved so many problems if I'd seen this. Right. And then we went in and everybody was like, all of a sudden, one day we could clean and snatch. And the coach was like, wow, you guys look way better. What happened? We showed us a video. Mm. And um, that, but today there's no excuse. Like you have YouTube, you yeah, have right. all this other stuff. So um, there's no excuse to not know how to coach technique or more importantly for the athletes to say, I didn't know what you wanted mm. me to do. I think it's just attention to detail. I think we were just un educated because we didn't know and nobody showed us any video and now now all of a sudden they, you can have it on your phone and be like okay this is what it's supposed to look like this is what you look like right where do you see the problems and then let's slow it down yeah i did have a high school buddy that he ended up playing at ut his solution for the wide stance was to start basically super narrow feet touching oh it's a good move but then he would just go out to still too wide mm-hmm. But it wasn't as wide, like super splits. Uh, it just stuck in my mind because well, he was a great football player. But goddamn, he can't lift weights for shit. Well, but uh, do, do you remember um, on TV they used to have World's Strongest Man? Oh yeah, yeah. So do you remember they would do the axle bar clean, mm-hmm. where they would like reverse curl it to their belt and then roll it up their chest and press it? That's what I thought we were doing because the only thing I'd seen on TV mm. was the World's Strongest Man. ESPN too. Yeah. Mm. And uh, we saw that as kids or when we were fairly young. So yeah. like that, I, I just think that like today. Uh, and like so much of what you're talking about, like it, it exists. I mean, you can get on Kelly Starrett. I mean, there's YouTube. I mean, there's so much information out there that um, when people claim to not know what they're doing, I'm like, how? Yeah, bro. Like I, I so I so I spoke at the Glazer Football Clinic uh, in, in in Charlotte. Um, That's your boy. Oh, Jay Glazer. Uh, and, and and I, you know, as a high school coach, I would go to these. What is uh, Jay Glazer as a high school clinic? Well, yeah. The Glazer football clinics like nationwide. There's That's Jay Glazer? I, I mean, you know any other Glazers? Well, it can't be fucking Jay Glazer. He doesn't know shit about football. <laughs> well, he's one of the biggest names in announcing. Yeah, but he doesn't know shit about football. Well, you know that. Yeah, I, I know that because I hung out with him. I'm friends with him. He knows nothing of football. But the people don't know that. They watch him on NFL Sunday. Yeah. Oh, well, he, I don't uh, know if that's him. Oh. No, I don't think it is. It can't be. But it's he, all, he didn't know anything about football. I got 25 spots over Jamie, the country. Jamie, look that up. Uh, he, the, uh, <laughs> the one thing Glazer does is he's really good about making friends with players and then taking you out to dinner. Right on. And then he gets what he calls the the, the Glaze Mafia, where now he can call people and, right uh, potentially. Right on. Yeah, that's the Glaze Mafia. There's no way Jay Glazer has a has a football clinic. What are they going to teach him how to do? Get, yeah. It's, 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 it's personality. It's high school coaches. So we did go down to Atlantic City. He had an MMA fight. He went down. We saw him in Atlantic City, and he got all of his teeth knocked out. That's why he's got chiclet teeth. <laughs> I love him. He's a great dude. I'm saying he's got his ass beaten in an MMA fight. They might, maybe they have 20 or 30 a year in different parts of the, of the, of the country. And, and, you know, I, when they asked me to do it, I was, I was still employed mm-hmm. uh, with Charlotte. Uh, and then postseason, you know, I was still on the list. And 
so, so I go and show up and I'm, I'm, I'm got three presentations back to back to back and I'm, I, I've got about 12 coaches each uh, and uh, in each one and um, it was pretty informal. I just wanted to make it about them and, and, and remind myself a little bit about, you know, who's out there coaching high school. And, uh, and there's thousands upon thousands of high school coaches. That it's on now. Frank Glazer, yeah. legendary yeah. football coach from Northeast who founded the clinics. Yeah. Going strong for 47 years. Yeah. yeah. There's still a ton of high school coaches in the country that teach multiple classes. Yeah. And they also are tasked with coaching football and teaching strength and conditioning. So, um, yeah, it we, makes sense. We've still. worked with tons of them. Yeah, man. And it's, uh, it's, I mean, the, these individuals super rewarding for them and it's a shit ton of work, ton of work, uh, with, um, so I, uh, the way we met is you actually reached out to me and said, Hey, would you come in and work with our guys a little bit? And that's how we became friends. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I showed up and then we went out and got beers and had some wings. Self, and, it was a selfish, I mean, it yeah. was like, this us use university money. So I can hang out with, with, with a guy that, that, that knows – that's probably a kindred spirit, it seems, yeah. uh, is what I felt. Uh, and, and, yeah, it was, it was a little bit selfish. but Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, so he, he came in and uh, we Did went Did we just become best friends? Yeah, we went, yeah. Out, we, we went out and had wings and beers and, uh, like, realized that, like, how have we not been friends this all? And, um, and then I got to go see him work with uh, his players, and I was super impressed. Um, not only high energy, uh, you cared – um, you were in good shape, which is really like my prerequisite. If you want to be a strength coach, got be able to move, be in good shape, yeah. have good energy, and connect with the kids. Yeah. And uh, you know, and then I, I went in the weight room. Uh, we were just kind of hanging out, watching. He had some kids that had some like really interesting phantom injuries, which I call them, which are like injuries that are easily abated if mm-hmm. you just kind of do the detective work. And uh, got these kids going pretty good. A bunch of like weird back injuries from just basically shitty mechanics, mm-hmm. you know. Show them that and, yeah. you know, just basics, dead bugs, can you do this and this, and just kind of showed them a little bit of the rubric that we put together for, uh, you know, really it just came on the fly with Cross the Football. Mm-hmm. We had to go in and assess people, get them moving, had to figure out who was fucked up and who wasn't, and we just came up with a whole bunch of different movements, and then it came, figured out that the movements that were the tests end up became the therapies, mm-hmm. and, and uh, no, De- it was Dead great. bugs fucking gold, man. Yeah. Well, that was... Uh, it keeps it keeps <laughs> paying dividends, too, the more you practice it. Yeah. It's gold. Well, I mean, even the fighters, um, you know, Victor comes in with that back injury and he can't do stuff. Mm-hmm. And it really came down to can he arrange his trunk? And then that position became so important for us. But uh, And then being able to use it in different ways. But then we got to go out and I, I watched their uh, their team. And I legitimately saw coaches and players. I Actually, I felt it from your head coach and I felt it from you. Some of the other coaches I could get, like, uh, seemed a little old, um, you know, a little, uh, a little salty. But, you know, sometimes you need that. But I thought they had a great, uh, uh, like, the momentum that you guys had, I thought was pretty good going into the season. I was excited to see. Yeah, right on. Yeah, we're talking. It's, it's, it's tough to keep a staff together in modern-day college football. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons why Clemson has been so successful over the years, um, well, I mean, Alabama's also been successful, and they lose coaches every year. But I guess you can do it any, any way. But if you keep a staff together, that synergy – is pretty special, and uh, it's been tough for, for you know, for us to keep a staff together because you know, we were at Austin P. Will Will Healy um, offered me a job at Austin P. in 2016, and we were there for three years, um, and then got essentially promoted to Charlotte. Um, we did a pretty good job at Austin P. But even then, you know, we were we were 0 and 11 year one, and we were 8 and 4 year two. 
And then after that eight and four season, we lost like five really like damn good coaches. You know, a couple power five schools, other group of five division one schools. And then, you know, we brought a whole new staff in in like January, February, trying to configure that. It just makes it tough, yeah. you know, not, not no excuses here, but just, you know, so part of what you saw there was, a, a, you know, um, a group of guys that, um, that are assembled each year, you know, a football coach does the best he can to get a, get a group together and get them synergized. And, um, and it's, it's, it's a heck of a thing, you know, be, being four months out of the college football realm and kind of observing what it actually is, you know, from the civilian kind of, kind of mindset. It's, it's, it's an interesting deal. This college. Does it football. make you want to go back? Not yet. Not yet. Um, I haven't had that hunger quite yet. Um, I mean, it'll come in like small waves. Mostly it's just missing being around like 18 to 22 year old freaking alpha dudes that are just hungry to learn, you know, um, like that inspires me. Like they inspire me or they have inspired me. Like that's what I miss. I, I miss that because, you know, we need to, we need to, we need to feel a part of a tribe, right? We need to feel like we're, it, this is, this is my kind of a little bit of, I don't know if you call it esoteric, but. As I analyze, okay, what do I need moving forward? 41 years old, right? Moving into the next 40 plus years, it's like, okay, I need to feel like I'm a valued member of a tribe. If I'm not, if I, if I'm not doing something valuable for the tribe, then what the fuck am I here for? You know, so, so there, it was like, okay, you're you're contributing to these young, to these young folks, uh, and that's kind of the, the bigger picture of why, at least you know, was my motive uh, to do it. And, and I was talking to to Chris earlier. My linebacker coach in college, when I got, when I, when I, when I you know, in, in the midst of playing that three to four year experience where I was playing and kind of, but came back and helped him a little bit and interned uh, and just kind of learned the books, learned, learned the ropes a little bit from behind the scenes. And, and he told me that it sticks in my head. It's like, only do this if you can't do anything else. Because mm -hmm. it'll wear you out. If you can't do anything else, that's coach football. Oh, shit, you know? that's and I'm terrible. like, I'm like, fuck, really? I'm like, really? You know, only that? <clears throat> and that's like, well, well, do you have any other skills? Because if you do, man, do that. You can, you can work a lot less hours and probably make a lot more money. And, yeah. and um, you know. Well, I always wondered with the coaches in the NFL, uh, do they really love the game? Or are they doing it? I mean, because I always thought they hated their families. That's why they did Dude, the job. That's like, a good point. Uh, yeah, they, they just, like the amount of time that they put into the game. I mean, I, I get the obsession. But I also think it's extremely hard to have a family and a wife and with that level of dedication and, and insanity. It's got to be a very special household, a very special woman, in, in my, from my vantage point, that can, that can manage that and handle that. Um, you know, Tony Dungy um, was great for me at that time because, I, you know, when I, when I was picked up in 05, post-college career, which, you know, Howard Schellenberger is a, is a – was, he was you know, 78 years old at the time, and, and his, his wife. See you, dude. See you, brother. His, his wife was, um, I mean, just a, a special, special guy um, because he, was, he worked all the time, yeah. and all the coaches on that staff worked all the time. Uh, it, 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 that's just the nature of the deal, right? You're there late game planning, yeah. you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday watching night, film. watching film. It's, it, it's, a, it's a, and, my, and, and, you know, in high school, when my father coached too, I mean, it was, it was seven days a week, and uh, he's, he's game planning Sunday and coming home late most days out of the week. So you don't really have a lot of experience with dad growing up. Yeah. 
uh, you know, mom's kind of around the kids much more. Dad's this kind of uh, a little bit, in some ways, kind of a mythical creature that, that, sure. that is that is, you know, this the the the, the alpha of the home, you know, uh, and it can work for sure, but it's just uh, it's it, different. It's a different way of doing. It. So Tony, uh, Tony would show up. Coach Dungey would show up, you know, at seven fifty a.m. Uh, because he took his kids to school. Yeah, you know, and he he he, he was he was. He was passionate about trying to make it work for the coaches that coached on that staff. And he ended up losing his son. And that was, bro. I mean, look at Andy Reid. I mean, you know, he lost his son and, um, you know, had trouble with his other boys. I just think it's, um, I don't know. Ursay, the owner of that team, flew the, flew, our, flew the team down on a private jet to Tampa for that funeral in 2005. Yeah. Um, and, and Coach Dungy spoke at the – I mean, yeah. one of the one of the more memorable moments of my life, not in a positive way, but but powerful man, because he used it as a as like a a crisis moment to 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 teach to preach, like we can't we can't let things go unsaid. We we, we need to we need to listen to our children. We need to, um, yeah, bro. So even even then, like he was doing it as best as he could, and he still, you know. Still lost his son to to suicide. Yeah, that was. Mm. Yeah, tough deal for sure. Yeah, no, uh, football uh, is hard on lives on both sides of the it game. It is, man. You know, it's hard on the coaches. I mean, they, uh, you know, like the. Uh, but it's a great fucking game. <laughs> no, it's the best. <laughs> I always joke that um, I learned everything great in this world from playing football with my parents. Dude. Right? Like, I, I learned how to work into groups. I learned how to work hard. I learned how to do everything. Put your foot, put your hand, foot in the dirt and just go. I mean, I learned everything good in football and learned from my parents. And uh, the joy that I saw my dad get from watching me play mm. and come into the games mm. was nice. I mean, he, he went to almost every single one of them. I mean, there, there was a few he missed, but man, for the most part. You guys are traveling cow. I mean, you guys. Well, in, in the NFL as well. Really? So, yeah, um, I would fly him out to, you know, uh, almost every single home game. And if my mom didn't want to go, he would go. I mean, I remember, you know, we were in Green Bay, and I look up there, and he's up there by himself. You know, he he wanted to go to every stadium. And uh, he showed up, and he's like, you know. Oh, yeah. He was – he he loved it. And um, he he was so funny. He, he like uh, – one time – oh, dude, this is such a funny story. But, uh, uh, like – you, you know, like, like they would give out the coaches' outfits, yeah. right? And the coaches would have their new outfit for the year. And I remember uh, he, like, said to me, he's like, hey, uh, those coaches' outfits. He's like, you think I could get, <laughs> like, like, like one of those belts and that polo? Yeah, yeah. And so I went to the equipment dude, and I was like, hey, man. Um, I, I, and I, I was always real good around Christmas to mm-hmm. always, like, juice those guys pretty mm-hmm. well. So I said to the equipment dude, I was like, hey, uh, is there any way I could get one of those polos and maybe a belt or something for, like, you know, the coaches' outfit? Like, my dad's over the moon for it. And he's like, yeah, I got you. So all of a sudden, like the next day, there was a bag, and it was like the pants, the shoes, the shirt, the jacket, the hat, the belt, everything. Wow. And just in a bag. How many years were you in the league? Um, how many, when you asked that? I think it was my second year. So yeah, that's, I, that's big. Or it was, it was second or third year. Yeah. So I was, I was relatively new. But yeah. uh, I came in started as a rookie. For sure, yeah. You yeah. know, and I was a starter. Like, yeah, I, yeah. like my days of being a young guy ended yeah, in right my away. second year. Yeah. And... Uh, so I like give it to my dad and he's fucking so stoked. Floored. Yeah. So he like shows up to the game yeah. wearing the coach's ah, outfit. Ah, dude. Right? 
and he's got the hat on the whole deal. Special. So after the game, uh, you know, where they have like the family areas, up, yeah, he like just comes like, like walking past security because he thinks he's a fucking yeah. coach. Yeah, and he's like comes in the locker room, and I'm like, what the fuck are you That's doing in here? He's awesome. like, nobody stopped me. That's awesome. And uh, so John Runyon sees him, and he's like, dude, is that? he's like, Mister Wilburn, what are you doing? He's like, I got my coach's outfit. So every year, every year after that, got the whole gear. Yeah. Uh, the dude, uh, before like like his, when the uh, when the equipment guy would order all the outfits, he would make sure to order one for my dad, and then I'd have it in a bag, and he'd be like, "How's the new coach's outfit look?" I'm like, "I already got it for you." Awesome. And then when I went to Kansas City, same yeah. Thing. So first year in Kansas City was fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same thing. thing I came that. in and I was like, "Hey, uh, this is a weird request, but uh, the coach's outfit, uh, I need an extra." So and, was it was a starter? Was a starter gear? Uh, no, it was. Um, I can't remember who it was. Reebok was. was yeah, it was Reebok, and then uh, I, I it can't was started for a little while. Nine, yeah, yeah it, was, it was hilarious. But I remember when uh, when I finished up, my dad was like, you know, God, I was really looking forward to a Patriots coach's outfit. <laughs> That's right. And he used to rock those polos. Oh man, where did he grow up? Where did Dad grow up? Uh, my dad grew up in Culver City, so he's born in Kansas uh, in thirty in thirty seven, and then World War um, the bombing of Pearl Harbor happens. Yeah. yeah. And my granddad and his brothers were all uh, engineers on the railroad. Okay. So um, my great-grandfather worked on the railroad in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, my grandfather went to uh, Baker State in, in Kansas and was an engineer. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, Pearl Harbor hits on the radio. We're looking for, you know, people to engineers to build this. You know, this. So Dad's they, like eight years old at the time. What's that? Your dad's like eight years old at the time, right? Well, yeah, it would have been uh, yeah, f- uh, 42. Yeah, 42. So yeah, oh, five, four, yeah, five, five or six. Uh, I'm saying forty-five. Or was I was thinking forty-one. He was young. Yeah, yeah. So forty-one. So, yeah, forty-one. Bombing Pearl Harbor. Um, somebody's gonna fucking send his hate. He's four, four. Yeah, he's four. Yeah, so he's four years old. <laughs> and uh, he he tells a story of like you know when they were little kids they listen they would watch the radio you know you'd sit and watch the radio because they didn't have a TV yeah and uh, they were like you know had these ads for you know come join the war effort you know like this so uh, my grandfather and his brothers and my dad's uncles all packed up their cars. And just drove to California. And uh, my dad tells a funny story wow. of them driving through. And, you know, they blew tires. and they But they brought extra and shit would break and they would fix it. What'd they drive? You know, uh, remember? They were driving a Packard. So my dad, they, they had a, uh, a 30s Packard that was like dark blue. And uh, it was like this huge car. You could fit like 20 people in it. Right? So they had all their shit on the yeah, roof. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Tied um, down. Yeah. Uh, so they pull in uh, to the McDonald Doug or um, um, the McDonald... Um, or the Douglas plant, uh, where they were building planes. And uh, my, I guess like the story goes, uh, I can't remember if my, if my uncle or how it all worked, but basically they drove, parked the car in the parking lot. My grandfather went in, uh, comes out a couple hours later with um, an, you know, an envelope and keys. And so he went in and, you know, I'm an engineer. I build, you know, I, this is what I do on the railroad. So now you're going to build planes. They signed an employment contract, handed them, you know, a couple hundred bucks, whatever it was, a signing bonus. And then gave them keys to a house, dude. And you got your first home, and they held the mortgage for your home in Culver City. So the whole family came. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, they packed up. Everybody came to California, and like my, uh, and they all had these little war wars. So this is too. December Pearl Harbor. It was December of forty-one. Yeah, this was probably the, like in the summer as the war effort started. Wow. And they all went to California, and that's how we got to California. What this country did in World War Two. I mean, I mean that essentially has has propelled. Yeah. I mean. It, it can't be overstated, right? I mean, the, the military industrial complex. The, 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 I did a book report in like sixth grade on the Battle of Midway. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was like a pivotal, like how fast we could get shit 
done. Yeah. Well, in, we in the might, the industrial a, might of this nation. We had all these, uh, you know, engineers and different people that were doing other things, and they were like, "We need you for the war effort." Yeah. And so yeah. people, like literally, uh, uh, you know, car plants turned into like tank plants yeah. and this, and they just changed the, you know, because everybody was super skilled. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then my grandfather ended up. Uh, doing that and staying there, and uh, he ended up working on the space station. Right so on. his uh, his whole deal was um, uh, honeycombs. So he was fascinated with uh, the strength and the structure of honeycombs, and so his design was like the honeycombs, mm. which was part of the structure uh, for you know the space station. So super sharp. And then my uncle got in the same thing. He he designed um, guidance systems for the stealth bomber. And so yeah, I mean we grew up in Southern California. My dad lived in Culver City, went to Hamilton High. And then, you know, graduated early and then went to uh, L.A. State and went to USC for law and then was a practicing attorney for 55 years. Right on, man. So, I mean, that's how we all got there. And it's um, it's it's pretty pretty interesting origin. I can't imagine listening to the radio and being like, I guess it's a war effort. Let's pack up and everybody goes. And and that was just like, it was it felt normal. Yeah. Like, let's, I mean, it, it obviously took a couple months of planning, right? I mean, they did get, to get this thing worked out. But, but to us, it's like, it's a dramatic thing. I, my mother's father um, was was a was in the Navy, um, and then ended up working. Uh, so so we're from we're from the, the East Coast of Florida, with the space station. So Cocoa Beach, mm-hmm. NASA, um, and uh, and so you know a lot of these plants, these these massive industrial plants, moved down into this this beautiful climate. Uh, around that, you know, post World War II expansion, right? So, um, IBM. Uh, my dad's dad was like a human relations guy um, at IBM. Raised ten kids, brought the whole family down from from Binghamton, New York, to to Melbourne, Florida, um, and and and, um, and and then you know popped down to Boca when IBM moved the plant down there. My mother's father uh, was also in the military. And worked for Pan Am. Remember Pan Am? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Remember that airline yeah. that existed yeah. for a while? Oh yeah. Um, so like the spot of the planet where I'm from, Brevard County, Florida, specifically, is like military industrial complex is is its origin story. It's not that it's not that old. Um, and every time I go back there, I, I recently flew flew in for the first time into Melbourne, and there's still a shit ton of land. Like the coastline is packed. Yeah, but yeah. there's still a shit ton of land in like, the middle of Florida. Yeah, bro. We were talking about like driving up 71 in Austin yeah. and, and the, just the beautiful grasslands and the strong looking cattle. I mean, that, that's what it kind of looks like in many parts of Florida. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you have this dichotomy, right, of this ocean, this beautiful landscape, and especially in South Florida. Boca Raton is like this par- paradise. Sure. And, then, and then the coastline is like populated with millions of people. You, you go down to Dade and Broward County and Palm yeah. Beach County, it, 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 it's Millions of people down there. It, it's so it's so packed, and then you drive Alligator Alley, you know, and, and, and up north in the mid part of the state, and it's it, it's like you're in yeah. in the agrarian kind of paradise. It's a it's a it's a great state. A little, little bit of I, tangent, but I really liked living in Tampa. Yeah, man. Um, I lived in Clearwater Beach, and um, you know when we were looking where to move, because uh, my wife's mother lives in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. Um, I love living in Tampa. So uh, it was. If we hadn't moved to Austin in this kind of area, I, I would have definitely moved back to Tampa. I really like that. for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I like the West Coast a little bit better than the East Coast. Yeah. I always feel like, too, uh, 
when I would meet people on the East Coast, they were always from like North Jersey, Jersey, especially South Florida. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, but it was always and then the West Coast was usually uh, people from the Midwest, right. and uh, you know we'd always call them the um, snowbirds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they would be driving like usually a sedan, yeah, and there'd yeah, be like yeah. a clothing bar in the back with like clothes hanging for sure. And uh, we'd see them come down, and it was like Michigan and this kind of deal, but for sure. So it um is the you know, because we, we do have a ton of strength coaches and people that are coaches that listen to this podcast. Uh, you know, and there's always this idea that, hey, when I get a chance to do it my way and I go in and do this. But I think what's so hard is the strength coach becomes a sacrificial lamb in so many ways in, mm. in professional sports mm. or even in college sports where, you know, hey, like the team, like I, I always loved when, uh, you know, team struggles and they fire the strength coach. Yeah. And you're like, come on. Yeah. You know, like uh, I've gotten real close with, uh, with Jeff Dillman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff was at uh, South Carolina, and and the year before, the head coach got fired. He fired Jeff, and so that's the story. You know, yeah. it's like things aren't going well. Well, it's let's it, make some changes. It's how you get one more year as a as a football coach is yeah. you sacrifice the strength coach. Oh yeah, we we weren't doing what we needed to in the off season. Well, it's your fucking friend and the yeah. guy you hired. Yeah. So our story, I say our story because because me and Will, man, like. like this guy hired me out of the blue, essentially, uh, at Austin P. Um, I, I served at at, uh, at Old Dominion for a year, so I was in high school for six. After that, you know, after that introduction, where I'm, so I, I, I got Ripito's book, right, starting strength, sure, and and I'm and I'm enamored with the anatomy of it, uh, and, and you know, the, and, and and the precision of it, and and, and and I'm and I'm and I want to create a common language uh, for our high school coaches to coach our kids. Um, I, I felt like th- that was where I felt like it was, it was important at the time because th- these coaches were highly, highly intense, highly functional, but man, they're just saying things that they don't, they don't need to say. They're probably saying too much sometimes. Sure. Right. Just over coaching, um, you know, and, and so, you know, we're, uh, we're start, we start with a deadlift and we're going just, just starting slow with it. Um, so anyway, uh, six years there developing a program in a high school um, that, uh, you know, that by the end of the thing, the, the reward, the reward for me is when I see, well, here's where I got in, right? I, I didn't get in to get it to, to do a job, but I got in because I want to help. Um, and every year, I, most, most weeks I would redefine, like, I'm, I'm I'm exhausted right now. Why am I going back in this arena Monday morning to, to coach? Well, you know, this is fun. I enjoy this. Uh, the foot, this game of football is is amazing. I, I, I love the, the, the sport of football. Uh, but, uh, but man, like the way these kids, the way these young men are moving right now and the way they're training, like this is going to propel them for the rest of their lives. And, and those habits that they're, they're creating in high school, in, in college, especially after like eight years of playing football, like those habits are going to be hard to break. Uh, and if they're good habits, good, right? We're helping them create good habits. But if they're not good habits, and it could be a movement pattern, or it could be the way they talk to themselves because a coach is too hard on them, you know? Like that shit's going to be hard to break. So sure. you got a great responsibility. So anyway, after six years, I, uh, uh, my dad retires. My brother, who was a senior at the time, graduated. And it's like, okay, you know, what do I do now? Um, started making some calls, and, uh, and and this is kind of just paying homage to to people that have helped me along the way. Tom Telesco's the GM for the Chargers, and I called him, um, emailed him first, got with the secretary, and he called me back in like a day, 
And we talked for like 45 minutes. And I, he was the player personnel director at the Colts when I was there. I think pro personnel was his, was his title. And uh, man, we talked for like you know 30 minutes. It was, it was 34 minutes. And, and what he said was, okay, you can go X's and O's or you can go strength and conditioning. What I'll tell you is that the, perform- the performance realm right now is getting ready to explode. This is like 2014. It's like sports science, data science, this thing's going to explode. We're probably not going to hire that many more football coaches. We're not going to expand that realm, maybe. But this performance realm, we're going to expand this. There's going to be a lot more job opportunities. And then when I called Rich Howell, who's the head strength coach at the Colts at the time, he's like, yeah, I got two guys that interned for us at the Colts in the early 2000s. They're looking for an entry-level job, entry-level position. Um, and it was man, it was kind of as easy as that, right? Like I just popped into college. I didn't really plan it out. It's just a few phone calls, you know, flew up for an interview and, and said, yeah, let's, let's give this thing a shot. So I made like $18,000 that first year because I was like 32 years old. Um, and, and I go up there and, 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 and after a year of work there, I'm, I'm saying all this because, it, you know, it may be the young coaches or people are like, not, not, not to say I have the advice, but like if you do great work where you're at, yeah. you know, like, like let that speak louder than anything, anything else. Let it speak louder than your words. Let it speak louder than your resume, uh, in my opinion. Because the people that you're in the foxhole with, the people that you go to work with on a daily basis, they know you better than anybody else. Yeah. And if they if they will call on your behalf, without even really you asking, like that's that's to me like the sign. And if they're not willing to call, then maybe you're not fucking doing a good enough job. Or they call and they say this guy's a piece of this shit. This guy's not doing a good job. Yeah. No, I, I I do. I've I've never regretted doing a good job for something even mm-hmm. if I got like you know a host on something or you know like the money wasn't right or with this like I'll always do a good job Integrity. yeah and uh, I've, I've dealt with people in business that have not done good jobs and you paid them uh, an honest wage and they've not done good and uh, I remember those people and at that point you kind of start voting for the ruination amen brother so so Charles Bankins who's at Memphis now coaching special teams he called Will so he was Will's running back coach at Richmond when Richmond won the national championship in 2009, Mike London was the head football coach. Mike London's now at William and Mary. They beat our ass this year in fucking week two. That was, the, that was, that, that was, was the, uh, <laughs> one double a team comes in our play. They don't beat our ass, but they, they, they beat us. They had a scheme put in. It was their first game and our, it was our second game. We actually played a week zero game. We played FAU, my alma mater mm-hmm. and, uh, and lost that game. Um, this past year, won three games, a tough year, uh, on a lot of levels. But so Bankins called Will, because Will just got this head coach job at Austin P, and said, hey, man, I need a strength coach, you know. And, and Banks, like, hey, man, I, I rubbed shoulders with this guy at Old Dominion for a few months. Like, check him out, you know. So I flew out there to Clarksville, Tennessee, and met Will and his – we it was the table was about – it was just a little bit bigger than this. And there was like eight guys around it, all young. The oldest guy was like probably 34. And, and the head coach, Will's 29. And so I pop in this thing, I'm like – and these dudes are like pretty authentic, man. They're, 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 they seem hungry. They seem excited. Let, let me let me pop on this thing and let, let's get this thing rolling. So, um, love them. Will's down in UCF now. We talked about that before, but but um, like he'll he'll be a head coach again. Yeah, I mean, he, no, he's, he's he, he, you know, I mean, he's a stud. Yeah, he, I I liked him. I liked his energy. Um, I think the only thing I would have said is I felt like he was a little young, and um, maybe you know like. Uh, I think with some of the coaching stuff, especially with like an older staff like that, you got to be a little bit more tight to the chest with some mm-hmm. of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because I think, ah, I don't know, these guys are fucking old and 
prickly and you know they probably look at this young guy but uh, I liked him I thought he had a good scheme I thought he had good energy and when I talked to him he was super switched on so he'll be a head coach again I agree uh, it, it, I think firing him mid-year is a fucking like the worst thing you could do to these guys tough, bro man yeah it, it is it, it's so disrespectful and I know it like oh you know we got to get the recruits it's full of shit because if anything and like let's say for example if uh, I'm a high school recruit and, you know, these guys are recruiting me and they get let go at the end of the season. I realize that they want to get a jump on recruiting and all that. But especially with the, the portal stuff, I don't think that exists anymore. It's bullshit. The portal stuff, man. We can get into that, too. We, I've, but, I've, seen some, I've seen some stuff these past few years. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Well, I mean, uh, the biggest issue that I felt like you guys were running at was the fact that the athletic director and the kind of the people that, you know, cash the checks and write all that stuff. Not big football people. Alignment is so important. Yeah, you got to have people like, I mean, can you imagine like the ADs at Alabama? <laughs> like, they, they just, whatever you need Mr. Saban, happy to do it. You know? Alignment, bro. Like, and I, you know, I, I'm, I've learned to be tactful over the years, right? But um, to me, if you're in a, in a leadership position, administrative, executive branch, so to speak, and, and, you're, and you're leading people that are doing jobs that you've never done. Like, you, you're inherently at a massive disadvantage. And so, you know, I, I, I've loved getting into um, Jocko's writings and, 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 and the, the, the dichotomy of leadership. I read that two years ago. It's just the... the um, the application and how those these guys go into you know private um, companies around the country and just apply basic principles, which, which you know servant leadership um, um, uh, you know showing people that that you're humble enough to realize I don't know what you're doing, but I want to learn because I because I, I I'm here for you like I'm I'm in a leadership position I'm here for you. Let me help you do your job. Um, and, and, and I think it just, it, it, it helps so much if those people have actually done the fucking job. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's not a prerequisite necessarily, but I think you're at an inherent disadvantage. It's like, it's like being a football coach. If you haven't played football before, yeah. you can do it. You know, and if, if being in good shape as a strength coach, like it's a prerequisite. I agree. If you can't, if you can't move, if you can't demonstrate these movements, um, that's a disadvantage, man. Like, you, you, yeah, sure, you have YouTube and you have the Bulgarians you can watch clean, but man, that's anyway. Alignment's important, man. And, and, and you know, um, we, um, everybody at Charlotte these past, you know, four years, most people that were in the positions they were in, it was their first opportunity, mm-hmm. right? To be ahead, something, whatever the position, athletics director. Associate athletics director, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, head coach, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, the, the last conversation Will and I had, and I'm going to go down and spend some time with him uh, soon in, in Orlando. Is you know, we we we, we had on on the job training for the past seven years, and and uh, we, we sure as hell learned a lot. Yeah, no, he'll, <laughs> he'll get another crack at it. He, he's a, uh, you know, to have that level of experience and that, I, I think he's gotten a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you know, and not to use excuses, but God dang man, when you, when, you, when you lose coaches, yeah, you know, and, and we were somewhat, I, I think. Well, I mean, uh, like it's 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 difficult. Like I, I'll just give you an example. Uh, the guy that recruited me um, and was my offensive line coach for four years um, ends up taking another job, 
and leaves and goes to like at a, Cal. Yeah, at Cal. And right he, away before uh, you signed? Like no, what? no. So uh, right before my senior year. Oh, um, shit. So you had my, three years with him? Four years. So I, I redshirted, and then he was my offensive line coach for four years. And then right before my senior year, he goes and takes a you know coordinator job and gets out, and they bring in a guy who uh, – you know, it was kind of a old um, guy named Monty Clark. He had been uh, played for uh, played for the Niners back in like the '60s and the '70s, and then a uh, you know coach with Bill Walsh uh, at the Niners, and um, was a head coach for uh, Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. and uh, was like uh, you know like in his seventies, um, right. you know, and they surprised last job. Yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely his last job, and he didn't really want to take the job <sighs> either. You know, shows up to do um, the press conference at Cal wearing a red sweater, which, you know, there's like uh, basically if you go to a Cal football game or basketball game, whatever, and somebody walks by in a red shirt, it's like take off that red shirt. Yeah, it's Stanford. So he had coached with Bill Walsh at Stanford and been a Niners guy. Shows up to do the Cal press conference. No, super untactful. And when I met him, I kind of laughed. I was like, is this guy really wearing a, like a, a red sweater? And he's yeah. like, wow, what's wrong with the red sweater? And I was like, well, I'm telling you. And saw nothing wrong with it. And uh, came out and was trying to teach us some like 1960s, 1970s blocking, like forearm blocks using the flipper, flipper. Before, because you couldn't use your hand. Flipper. So uh, came out and was like, you know, the problem with you kids today is you don't know how to use the flipper Jeez block. Oh, me. Oh, shit, dude. Was teaching us like this archaic form of football. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So uh, he wanted us what to year like. Was this? this was 90. Uh, 98. Eight. So he, he wanted us to come off the ball and deliver a blow. With and I was flipper. like, you know, with the flipper. And so I uh, uh, I remember a bunch of the scouting reports was like, plays too close on people. And I was like, well, fuck. Doesn't use his hands well. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't use his hands. And it just was a complete shit show. And um, it just was such a bad That fit. was still going on in the 90s and early, even early 2000s. Yeah. We were, I think FAU, we brought a guy in, John Bach, uh, who played for Howard at Louisville. Uh, year two or three, and started teaching these guys to use their hands, and it was totally new. Yeah, uh, and there was still a coach that came after him that was teaching the flipper. Oh, it's ridiculous. In two thousand six, I, I like I um, uh, the when when I went out and hung out with you guys, uh, your offensive line coach was pretty switched on. I thought he taught. He's he not did, the head coach of Lamar, is he? Yeah, I, right down the road. I thought he did a good job, Pete Russell. Uh, no. You know, uh, I thought some of his footwork stuff and the way he was teaching the pass sets and this. Um, was more about him teaching a system more than him working with the individuals he had. Mm-hmm. So I think on the offensive line, uh, there's two schools of thought. Like, hey, this is what I do. Right. You know, you're a Howard Mudd guy. This is what I'm going to do. Right, right, right. And uh, I'm going to try to force everybody into my shitty system. Uh, what I like to do is look and say, like, who are the athletes I have? Who are the offensive line I have? Coach guys. And then let me coach him to be the best version of himself. That's kind of... That's kind of- it's kind of National Football League, though, right? I mean, well, no, no, it can be done in college. No, it well, but I mean, that's uh, when I came in the NFL. Um, that's how it was. Where yeah. you know, hey, this is how we want it's just it better done. coaching, right? No, but I mean, when I came in, uh, Andy Reid, you know, came from Green Bay and wanted us to basically block everything the way that the Packers had, and uh, they were, you know, not nearly as athletic. So what they were asking us to do was basically, you know, jump set and do a lot of shit. And I'm like looking at this, and I'm like, uh, this is. This is stuff that I would do if I wasn't a very good athlete. Right. And so I, maybe in my infinite wisdom, was like, you know what? Um, and I remember when I came in as a tackle, uh, he was giving me all this film. And I remember being like, you have any like six foot five, 300 pound white dudes I can watch? Because mm-hmm. you're showing me like these six foot eight fucking <laughs> monsters. And so my offensive line coach was like, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, well, dude, like, here's yeah. a skill set. And yeah. I think 
uh, as time went on, I got a little bit, I'm like, well, you know, you can ask me to do this, but I can do this better. Right. And so I really think what happens is, is you either have a system and we're like, this is how everybody does it. And I'm just going to jam a bunch of square pegs into round holes. Or you look to say, Hey, I'm going to get the most athletic, the biggest, the strongest, the guy that moves the best in mm-hmm. space. And then I'm going to teach him angles. Mm. And then I'm going to like find the most efficient way from him to get here and here. So mm. for example, if I'm playing left tackle and I'm fairly athletic, I can be able to like, you know, go here and here. If I'm not very athletic, I'm going to have to go straight back. Or if I'm really good athletic, I can go straight back and just fucking out athlete people. Right. You know? But you're coaching the, per- you put your coach as a person. I, I coach, I would draft, especially with the offensive line stuff. I would draft the, you know, the guy that's got the quickest feet, the biggest hand or, you know, big punch, big hands. I would look for a bunch of intangibles mm-hmm. and the guy that moves well in space and then pretty much bring him in put him into his position, teach him angles, and be like, okay, you got three or five and a seven-step drop. This is yeah. your run. Yeah. Teach him all the position, like yeah. all, all the plays. Yeah. So what I didn't like, and they used to do this, being like, hey. Oh, you only got to know this. Yeah. This is oh, what you got to know. It's a run play or a pass play. Yeah. Like just no, be that, no, that doesn't no, no, no. fucking matter. So I knew, uh, let's say, like, for example, it was a five-step drop. I knew what the routes were. So if the yeah, guy had to, bro. like, wait for an extra yeah. hitch to let that guy, you know, give his head nod and come mm-hmm. in, I knew I had to hold a little bit longer. So teach guys a little bit, being like, this is going to be a long five. It's going to be a short five, seven, seven. You know, like give guys understanding and then allow them to go out and do what they can. Yeah. And uh, I really think if you do that, you end up doing a lot better. And I think the one, not the one criticism I would have because uh, I was only there for two days watching, but I felt like he was trying to have guys do certain things that were outside their skill set or maybe mm-hmm. not, or not far enough outside their skill right set. On, right on. So I mean, that, that's that's pretty advanced, right? If, you, if you're able to take you know what the person does well and say let's 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 enhance that as yeah. opposed to fit this specific yeah. way of doing things yeah, but, but it's the um uh it's the henry ford way our schools work right uh, i want to right, teach a bunch of like information so yeah. that i can just jam you in like a cog yeah opposed from teaching critical thinking mm-hmm. and how to move through space mm-hmm. the problem is uh in the the way the nfl works today you know it's so pass oriented and there's so much information coming at these guys with these schemes that, you know, I think football's evolved into this. And, um, you know, guys can kind of go out and dance a little bit. But I love that love that word, dance. Yeah. And there's, to me, there's, there's not much more beautiful on a football field than seeing 300-pound dudes, massive humans, move in space and change direction. Um, and I, I just love the fact that most NFL teams, these guys don't wear braces on their knees. No. You know, the college game has gotten, it's fascinating. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but the, yeah, the, the no, ankle I, tape thing, the uh, knee brace dude. thing, like, like how, how, how we just, we just, well, it's one it, person's doing it. So we, yeah, it probably needs to be doing it. And then we're just selling a product. What they're, uh, what they're doing is they're trying to fix an immediate problem, right? So like, oh my God, the check engine light went on. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put tape over it, yeah. which is what they were doing. Like, oh, rolled ankles. But yet, right. do they know that like when you fucking lock your ankles down, they lose all this mobility, Dude. there's all these problems. Dude. I would get my ankles taped three hours ahead of time. Love it. And I would squirt water in them. Love it. And I would get them nice and loose. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, same with like the knee brace stuff, dude. I was like, man, like we had to wear those in college. It's so hard to and, move. Oh, yeah. It was like we were like the uh, um, Forrest Gump. Like running with that? Yeah. Changing direction? Yeah. Like bro, like a screen pass, for example? Yeah. You gotta, oh, yeah. You got to change direction in space? Click, 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 click. It sounded like horses running because you would hear the knee braces click yeah. together. I'm a safety or a linebacker. I'm laughing at that shit, man. Like, And, and then the, the other thing, too, is... Um, 
the other day, I don't know if you guys, I think I was telling you that they were showing a clip of one of the guys running at the combine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kid had like a huge lower body, like kind of narrow yeah, upper yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. And the coaches or the guy, the announcer was like, oh, look at that bubble butt. Yeah. That kid, look at that. You know, this, that's the last fucking kid I would have drafted. Mm. If you look at all of like the really fast big dudes, they're usually like smaller ankle, mm. higher calf, big yeah. quad, like horses. see their Achilles tendon. Yeah. Like when I look and I see cankles. I would never touch that guy or real low height, like real like uh, calves that start here and, right. and, and like in the middle of the Achilles. Right. No, no, no. no right. You want like big, like uh, Tark Glenn was a classic example. I played yeah, with Tark man. in college. Yeah. Big T, fucking huge ass, huge legs, kind of small ankles. He was like 360, wasn't he? Fucking super athletic. Massive. Like a and dancing bear. Like a dancing bear. We used to joke and call him a dancing bear. You know, he's one of the uh, professor ADs up at Berkeley. Is he, is he yeah. back? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he, he went there. He finished up. He got his PhD. And um, last time I was up there, I saw him, and uh, I haven't laughed. At, like it was one of those things. I turned the corner because we went up to go. Uh, yeah. Um, God, why were we up there? Oh, I went up to go see Cal Strength and Dave Spitz, and we decided to swing by and see him. And I, I rounded the corner, and I hadn't seen him in years. You know, we played college football together, and obviously when I'd see him, when we played the Colts, and uh, we just started laughing. And I hadn't laughed that hard in a long time. Just busted his balls. You can tell right away. And I was yeah. only there for eighteen months, but what a great personality. And those yeah. guys are always good to me. Yeah. And it, 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 this is probably fortuitous, but you know, the offensive linemen, for whatever reason, were always like my, my dudes. I got, I just, I rock with those dudes. You know, so you know, Ryan Dean was was yeah. right. Tart was left. Yeah. Jeff was center, and Dylan Gandy, who's actually from Flugerville, right outside of Austin, yeah. uh, was rotating in that year. But Ryan Dean and Jake Scott. Jake, Jake was from yeah. uh, I know uh, Jake from Scott. Utah, I think. Yeah, or Ryan Little Joe was from Kansas City. He was yeah. So so Little Joe was on our was uh, was on our practice squad. Kansas City. And yeah, and then yeah. they saw, uh, and he he could play. Yeah, man. He he came Athletic. in. Yeah, he came in. We well, had to be at that scheme, right? And then Howard it was crazy. Mudd. Yeah, with with mud stuff, and then they they, they took him to uh, the Colts, and then he went back to KC and got That's paid. Right. That's right. Yeah, he Great he dude, was. Uh, yeah, I mean, we knew in training camp, like it's one of those things Great in the NFL, dude. man. You can either play, or you can't, and you know whether or not guys can play pretty quick. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, would you ever go back to being a X's and O's coach, or you think you're a strength coach? Yeah, I, I'm sinking into this right now. These next I, eight months dude, of like, I of always like, thought like, just um, not to cut you off, but uh, um, and I told you this, um, your level of detail and attention. I was like, man, I don't know why you're not a head coach. Mm. Yeah, you're fucking uh, organized enough to do it. It was it, eight years ago. I, had, like I said I had that conversation with with Telesco, and I, you know, I was I was coordinating the offense in high school, and it's high school, but. You know, the high school that we coached at, and this is my father, and, and he'd been coaching with guys. They're, they're professional high school football coaches. And some high schools, you know, not necessarily like that, but there's a lot that are. And these guys game plan. I mean, they were, they were just as organized, as detailed as any coaches that I've ever been around. And, and, and that's where I started, you know, coaching. And so, um, you know, I was coordinating the offense the last three years, really, calling the plays, and, and the, the four years coordinating and kind of calling the pass plays in one year. So, um, I mean, it's – I loved it, but I could also see how, with my mind, it would be hard to balance, you know, uh, anything else outside of it. It's, it's hard to – it's just – because I love I – mean, I played football since I'm five years old. I've been around football – you know, 35 years, my whole life, really, I've played, I played 20, and I've coached for 15, Um, so, like, certainly, I can go back into it, Uh, I'm I'm thankful that I've I've, I've hesitated, because these next eight months, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm going to make the right decision, right, and, and, and and move in the direction.
direction that 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 makes sense. Cause I'm with family, man. Yeah. You know, and, and and it's being around you guys has been just beautiful, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm humbled. I'm uh, I'm glad you had fun. You got to see a little bit beautiful uh, girls, man. A little slice of. Uh, Going to jiu-jitsu, talking shit in the car, coming home, uh, you know, trying to do the Chinese fire drill to, like, you know, get dinner made and all this and Legos and that and, like, trying to manage it all. It's a, it's I love a lot. the personalities of the twins, how different they are, man. <laughs> so cool. And they battle nonstop. It's, uh, it, it's funny. And then the cat, and then Jamie's riding cash and they're talking. Like, it's just. So it's anyway. Funny. Yeah, they're good kids. So. I feel very lucky. How, how to have a family, right? And, and, and what's really important. I didn't start this thing 15 years ago to say I want to get a job. I started this I thing think to the help. most important thing is uh, you got to find a wife <laughs> or somebody to have kids with that's mm-hmm. like an equal partner and right. uh, is pretty switched on. For like, sure. Like pretty sharp, organized, like has some of the strong, has some suits that you don't. For sure. And uh, I, I think uh, having kids is great, but I can't imagine having those oh, kids without my wife. Can't. No, there's, there's no way. Like there's 4,000 things that she somehow has in her spreadsheet in her head and I keep track of four. In this country, too, how intense this country is, too, right? I mean, I mean, we only know it, but, I mean, just the, the, the man, the, the, you talk about switched on. I mean, it's it's Monday, Friday. I mean, it's sunrise to sundown, man. And you, yeah. and you're getting back in jiu last night at 8 o'clock. I mean, the things are rolling fast. You, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a business, man. You're running a, essentially, you're running a business out of the home. So, no, but it, it's, it, it's good because, um, um, like, I want my kids to remember, like, I, I think it's important for them. Uh, like the, I'll give you, for example, for jujitsu, like they, like the fact that like, I'm just not sitting there watching them. Yeah, man, like, like, you know, them. yeah, like it's, um, I, I think kids have to see their parents do, you know, like, uh, you know, like obviously like, you know, Kate training and this and the gym and the kind of the environment they know that, you know, uh, fitness and training and, and food and all the things that we do are all important. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I can't imagine doing it any other way. But no, it's beautiful. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what you do, dude. I, I, I appreciate your thoughtful nature and the fact that you're like slow playing a little bit. I'm sure you could have jumped right in and, you know, gone somewhere and had another I could have got a job. But I just want a job, you know. I'm, uh, I feel like I want to do something just, amazing. Yeah, well, again, the, the, the entrepreneurial thing is, is, is out of my comfort zone. But, you know, as, I, as, I, as I've reflected um, and uh, kind of got myself and kind of sunk into this uncomfortable time. Um, there's there's possibilities that are opening into my field of vision. You know, ways that you can to use business language. You, how can you leverage your your experience to create value that that can that can be you know rewarded with with payment? I mean, it's not the concept's not that complicated, but um, you know, but entering into the space and you know, uh, it is so part, you know, part of what I wanted to come out of Austin, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving and shaking out of here. I mean, there's a lot of people making things happen, uh, outside of the general structure, Yeah, sure. you know, and, 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 um, you know, like the first, one of the first stops was, was on it, uh, and, and, you know, just cruise around their gym, just kind of want to see what was going on. And right next to me was a, was a place called Kuya, I think is K-U-Y-A. That was the, yeah. the healing center right across from them was 10th. 10th planet. Yeah. I mean, so like. And, and, and you know, um, just kind of tapping into that. I mean, I've been I've been a part of teams my whole life, and when you're in a, when you're in a football season, man, nothing else really exists. At least the way that I do it. I mean, I, so I don't know how to. So if I go in, it's like eh, this is going to be 
like I, I know what the, I know what the kind of future holds, kind of deal. And, and maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm into it, but I just I just know uh, uh, I know how intense it can be. And, and um, it's good you take it to, uh, take a breather, step away, like let it kind of marinate a little bit. And um, you know, I, I think the worst thing people can do is this idea that you always got to be working. Uh, I know I should have taken a little more time when I re- you know I retired. Mm. Uh, all of a sudden, you know I'm get injured, surgery, next thing I know, you know, CrossFit recruited me to headhunted, uh, you know, next thing I know I'm... You're rolling, traveling, dude, traveling, country, traveling like, the world. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was good because I also have, like we were talking about this, uh, weird fear of failure, yeah. and uh, I was so, uh, it was funny, when I didn't sign with uh, with Baltimore, um, uh, Ozzy Newsom, uh, no, uh, Ozzy... Um, Ozzy. Is it Newsom? No, Ozzy Newsom was a baseball player. I think it was, uh, maybe it was Ozzy uh, Yeah, he was GM of the, of the yeah. Ravens for a yeah. while. And he, uh, I remember when I didn't sign with them, he was, he, you know, and I was like, hey, dude, like, I'm not going to play for the minimum. I went through this whole thing. He's like, you're on the fucking street. You'll never make six figures. You fuck, you know, this. And I was like, fuck you. And I basically mm. told him to fuck himself. That was, that was a fuel. And that was a deal when I retired. Yeah, I wanted to be fuel. able to come out and show that I could do this. Yeah. And I could go out and, and, you know, port this information over and be able to go out and do all these things. And so there was a, you know, a little bit of a uh, sense of, like, sticking in people's asses. Because, right. you know, like, oh, you'll never be, you know, fuck those people. And, you know, they, uh, there's this other feeling, too, that the only t- the only way you'll be successful is in the National Football League. Right. So then you got to go into a coaching and here. And next thing you know, you're, you know, picking up Andy Reid's food trays. And, you know, maybe one day you'll be a head coach. And uh, I thought, you know, um, there's got to be something else to do. Mm. That National Football League, it, it, does, it does quite a bit. To the psychology of, of, of yeah, it's kind of like little Stockholm syndrome. Like yeah. once guys get into it, like they they just fall into the routine. It's their identity. It's what they know. And um, you know, I mean, shit. Uh, when I came in with Andy Reid, um, who's the head coach, uh, Sean McDermott mm-hmm. was our quality control coach. Mm-hmm. His job was to basically read Andy's notes mm-hmm. and to make sure Andy had all the f- you know the massive amounts of food he needed at his <laughs> door. So we'd see McDermott constantly with these like yeah. we called offerings to the gods. Yeah. And you know now he's head coach. He's a fucking great coach, uh, brilliant yeah. mind, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, but he started that room. at the bottom, and that that was kind of the way it all started. Yeah. And uh, but now they, there's this kind of like I always thought to be a head coach because I always thought being a head coach would be, I I, I liked the idea of that. Mm. What I didn't like was the ladder to get there. I hear you. Now all of a sudden when you see uh, Sean McVay and and all these dudes just like in their thirties, I'm yeah. like shit. I didn't even know that was an option. Right. But right. now all of a sudden these young coaches and this and you know I figured to be a head coach in the NFL you had to be a fucking seventy year old barnacle, you know Bill Belichick with fucking right. man tits, right? Bill and, Parcells, uh, yeah, Parcells who was yeah. a terrible body. <laughs> like every time you saw these dudes, they just looked like, and it was always hilarious yeah. that they would like critique dudes, yeah. and you look like a fucking melted candle. Yeah, how can how can you yeah how can you still be brilliant as a football coach and maintain your oh, health? I mean, dude, Parcells was in. I mean, not part. Oh, Parcells was in terrible shape, but Belichick terrible shape. Yeah, Andy Reid terrible shape. But their mind is like well, popping, but, man. Yeah, but is it? I, I mean, don't know. like, really? That's a good point. That's a good question. Uh, you know, like, I mean. Um, what, what can they do outside of that room? Well, but here's the thing. If you watch. Is it, is it, is it plastic? Is it flexible? No. Uh, if you watch that much film and you're around it and you've lived it and you've breathed it. I mean, it's, it's your it, language. It's like it's like strength conditioning. I can walk into a room and see it. Right. Like, you can see the matrix. Right. Like, if you absorb into it and it's all you know and you look at schemes and what this person does and it becomes gamified. Yeah. Shit, I mean, kids do it on Madden. Right. You know, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're like, hey, this is the tendencies, and you have yeah. a smart dude that can break down all this film. Yeah. You know, I want you to give me every first and 10 that they've ever had for, yep. for 10 yep. years. Yep. Just like in pitching. Yeah. You know, that, you know, 90% of people take the first pitch. It's usually a strike. Right. So fucking go out there and be courageous and hit the ball. I mean, 
I, I, um, looking back on it now, uh, in terms of what I've looked for, for information and strength conditioning, all the stuff I've done, it's easy to port that over. It's uh, attention to detail. It's film study. It's education. It's knowing the scheme, mm-hmm. who we are, who are the players that I have. We know that if this guy can do this and this is where the weak point is, right. this is the individual. You know, like, shit, if you got a, a receiver who's faster than the defensive back and the guy can't fucking turn his hips, then mm-hmm. you're going to fucking do these things. Right. So it's exposing weaknesses. Right. You know, understanding the tempo of the game, standing on the field, feeling right. that tempo and knowing, like, you know what, we're going to run the ball down these motherfuckers' yeah. throats. Yeah. You know? The, the, and that, the exciting thing about that, too, is a coach from the other side of that thing. When you see the, the, the team, and it's like, okay, where are your weaknesses? Yeah. You know, how can I help you fortify these things? Yeah. Right? And, and While they, still and expanding going out and finding the right people, making sure these guys are this. I mean, um, I, I think when I played, when we played, I'll put it like that, uh, it was a baton death march. It's a great sport, man. It, it is. It, it's great. And uh, Like, I, we talk uh, about these things, like how hard it was, you know? But um, um, I wouldn't have done anything else. But, like... I don't know, man. Is it still is it still around in thirty years? Is American football still around in the United States of America in thirty years? I hope America's around in thirty years. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Dallas or um, Doris Gooding's or Goodwin's or Doris Keating's Goodwin. Um, you know, her husband was a writer for Kennedy, and she she has a master class. And I ended up during COVID buying the master classes and did a bunch of them, but hers was excellent. Um, she's a you know presidential historian. She worked for uh, uh, for LBJ. Um, and then her husband was Kent, one of Kennedy's speechwriters. And she has a great point where she's like, America is not that fragile. And that's kind of like she, she will endure, like Mother Liberty will endure. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I turn on the news, I think, have we become more fragile? Mm. And, um, you know, there's uh, you hear all the time with anti-fragility. And, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. know, you're talking about Jocko and extreme ownership and what those guys are preaching. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I mean, there's a point probably in the not-too-far future where, you know, what Jocko's talking about makes him a domestic terrorist to some people. Mm. I sure you hope know? not. Yeah, I mean, but it's true. I mean, personal responsibility, it is your fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these yeah. things that we take as personal responsibility in this, at some point, that's we learn that in jujitsu. Yeah, we learn that in sport. You learn that in wrestling. You learn that in football. When I so I've traveled a bit now, and and, and you know, again, if I go back into coaching, like, yeah, there's going to be some travel. There's going to be some opportunity to, to explore. But but it, it's like uh, I'm trying to catch up for maybe some things that I've missed. Yeah. Last time I took a cross country drive was 2007. You know, and and, and um, getting on the road and just feeling or on a plane, whatever, and feeling places and, and just, and, and witnessing. Man, I really like to drive. What's happened. I love it. I, I, I would rather drive places than I'm hopeful though. Like when I do that, maybe I'm, I'm a pretty good optimist, but, but like when I see what's going on, when I watch those kids at jujitsu the last two days, training and working and adults too. And, yeah. and when I'm in New York city, you know, when I'm, and I run out to catch a sunrise, um, and I see the city waking up and, 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 and the, the blue collar nature of that city, how much construction's going on on every street corner. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man, this, this idea of America, yeah. you know, the idea of United, the well, principles behind the United States of America are not. Well, I, I think the physical fragile. nature of America is not fragile, but I think if you view it, the lens of social media and the news and That's all the other bullshit, real, it, it, it's not us. It, it's fucking make believe. It's so quick. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about this. I, I wrote this down earlier. So, uh, storytelling. You know, I grew up, I grew up listening to storytellers, uh, and watching movies that that painted pictures and, and told stories. Um, and 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 when somebody asks you a question about, you know, like a concept, 
And we want to try to fit it in a short, a YouTube short. We want to try to fit in, you know, a certain amount of characters. Like that's not, we're missing depth yeah. that I wonder what our children, you know, the past 15 years, when because it's like information travels and, and, and I'm watching young kids absorb this information just so quick and so fast and they're seeing so much. And, and us now, we're seeing so much that we get impatient maybe and uh, ah, you're, you're being too involved. Yeah, but there's a story behind it. Yeah. Like, like what, I'm curious what's happening, like what, like what this technology has really done, you know, to the psychology of, of, of our population. Because there's like beautiful nuance in stories, man. Yeah. Um, and, and, oh, I love a long story. Dude, oh, I, I, started, I, I started story. gardening four years ago. Yeah. You know, and that's a story. And, it, and it's like the, 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 the patience that it takes. Um, and, and, there's, there's so many lessons there. There's so many, there's so many things that I think has helped my psychology in so many ways. Um, but it's slow. It doesn't happen fast. Um, and life doesn't happen fast. But we, when, when you look at a YouTube short, it seems like it does, you know? And, look, and if it's, I don't know, that's a kind of open-ended question there, but. No, it's great, dude. Well, I really appreciate you coming. And, uh, dude, it was great to have you. I'm stoked that you, we get to uh, connect. And I was one of the stops in your tour, and I'm excited to see where you go from here. Hell yeah, bro. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> see ya.